For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. This is part 20 of the series. In going after other gods, the northern kingdom like someone who is drunk. So Yeshua showing that his ministry is to reveal himself as the Messiah to the northern kingdom or Ephraim or the ten tribes. He reveals himself as the Messiah to the woman at the well. And she believes that he is the Messiah. Next, we're going to look at John chapter 8, wherein here we have an account where Yeshua forgives the sin of an adulterous woman. In John chapter 8, verses 3 and verses 7 and 9, it is written, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Yeshua was left alone alone and the woman standing in the midst. In John chapter 8 verse 8 and verses 10 and 11 it is written, And again he Yeshua stooped down and he wrote on the ground. When Yeshua had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said to her, Woman where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She said, No man, Lord. And Yeshua said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So this woman here who has committed adultery is a spiritual picture of the nation of Israel, the house of Jacob, the exiles of Israel. They committed spiritual idolatry and adultery by breaking the covenant at Mount Sinai with their bridegroom, that is Yahweh Yeshua. But Yeshua is going to die on the tree for the purpose of forgiving the sins of his people who he's in covenant with and who broke the covenant and in offering forgiveness of sins to his bride, that is the house of Jacob, who broke the covenant at Mount Sinai, he is also going to be offering forgiveness of sins to the entire world if she would repent. And so Yeshua says, he who is not guilty of sinning, of committing adultery against the God of Israel, sin is committing adultery against the God of Israel, cast the first stone. There was nobody there to cast the stone. So Yeshua says, I don't condemn you if you repent of your sins. What you need to do is go and sin no 
no more. And if you go and sin no more, then you're going to repent of your sin and Yeshua has promised forgiveness of that sin. In John in chapter 8, in verse 8, we're told that Yeshua stooped and wrote on the ground. In John chapter 8, it doesn't say literally what he wrote, but he's making a reference to Jeremiah in chapter 17 in verses 12 through 14, where it is written, a glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel. The word hope there is the Hebrew word mikvah, which means immersion. O Lord, the immersion bath of Israel. All that forsake you will be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth. So what did his accusers do? They walked away. He's making a reference that all that forsake him, all that don't believe in him, will be ashamed. And they will be written in the earth because they forsaken Yahweh, the fountain of living waters. Who's Yahweh that's the fountain of living waters? It is Yeshua, the Messiah. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you are my praise. It is the role of the Messiah to gather the exiles of Israel. In John chapter 10, verse 14, Yeshua said, I am the good shepherd. And the role of the good shepherd is to lay down his life to die for the protection of the sheep. And here in John chapter 10, Yeshua is speaking to Pharisees who would be the southern kingdom or the house of Judah or personified as the Jewish people. And in speaking to them, he says these words in John chapter 10, verse 16, other sheep I have, not other sheep I will have after I die and they believe that I'm Messiah. At the time that I'm speaking these words, before he dies on the tree, he says he has another sheepfold. How is this possible? Only if Yahweh Yeshua is the bridegroom who made a marriage offer to his bride, the house of Jacob at Mount Sinai. And it was there that the house of Jacob became his. The house of Jacob became the bridegroom's wife. And so he says, I have this other sheepfold that's not this sheepfold. He's speaking to Judah. Them also I must bring. I need to redeem them. And they will hear my voice, meaning they'll believe that I'm the Messiah and they'll follow my Torah. And there will be one fold, that is the uniting of Ephraim and Judah, and one shepherd. Yeshua just said that he's the good shepherd of the two sheepfolds. And then in declaring that Yeshua has two sheepfolds and these two sheepfolds are to be one, and there's going to be one shepherd that is Yeshua over them, he connects this thought with John chapter 10 verse 17, therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life. Why is Yeshua laying down his life? To take two sheepfolds and to make them one, that's the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel, of which he's going to be the good shepherd over. When Yeshua said that he's the good shepherd, he was making a reference or an allusion to Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 11 and 13, where there we're told what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd gathers the sheep from the nations where they've been scattered. The good shepherd gathers the exiles of Israel. In Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 11 and verse 13, it is written, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I'm going to search my sheep and seek them out. I'm going to bring them into their own land. The good shepherd gathers the sheep and brings them into their own land. That is the nation of Israel. In John chapter 11 verses 49 through 51, Caiaphas the high priest prophesies that Yeshua is going to die for a particular nation as it is written. And one of them named Caiaphas being the high priest that same year said on them, you know nothing at all, nor consider that is expedient for us that one man should die for the people.
people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Yeshua would die for that nation. What nation is Caiaphas prophesying that Yeshua would die for? It is the southern kingdom. It is the house of Judah. It is the Jewish people. Because in John chapter 11, verse 52, he says, and not for that nation only. So Caiaphas prophesied that Yeshua would die for that nation, but not that nation only. So how many nations is he dying for? He's dying for two nations. And how are they described? That he would gather together in one the children of God scattered abroad. So Yeshua is dying for two nations who are the children of God, who are scattered abroad and become one. Yeshua is dying on the tree to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. And that is what his ministry was about at his first coming. And he's going to complete the messianic task at his second coming. So when Yeshua is healing the lepers, when he's forgiven the sins of those that commit adultery, that the lepers and, and those who are adulterous is a prophetic picture of the spiritual status of the exiles of Israel. And he's declaring that he's going to forgive the sins of the exiles of Israel and he's going to bring restoration unto them. Now, given that it's the Messiah who gathers and unites the 12 tribes of Israel, after Yeshua was resurrected in Acts chapter 1 verse 3, after he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, he was asked this question in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They asked if he was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Well, you can't restore something unless it originally was, and then it got into a deteriorated condition, and then you're going to restore it to how it originally was. So what is the original kingdom to Israel that's being referred to here? It is when David ruled over all 12 tribes from Jerusalem. But following the days of David and Solomon, the kingdom was divided into northern kingdom and southern kingdom. And from the division between northern kingdom and southern kingdom, they've never been united. Well, the prophets of Israel says that the exiles of Israel are going to be united in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 15 through 28, and return to the land of Israel. Who's going to do that? That is the role and the task and the function of the Messiah. Well, those who Yeshua is addressing in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, they know he's the Messiah. He's resurrected. He's shown himself to them with many infallible proofs. So they have a question. You're the Messiah, and the Messiah gathers the 12 tribes of Israel. When are you going to do it? That's the question that they ask him in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. So Yeshua tells how the process is going to be from his first coming. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Yeshua answers, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. You will receive power, miracle working power, to be my witness of the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. That is the domain of the house of Judah or the southern kingdom. And in Samaria, and that is where the northern kingdom live, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. Why to the uttermost parts of the earth? Because the exiles of, of Israel were scattered to the ends of the earth. And in proclaiming the message to the ends of the earth, then every family of the earth would then hear the message of Yeshua, that he's the Messiah, that he died to forgive the sins of his people and the whole world, and that by believing in him, you can have forgiveness of your sins, you can have everlasting life, and you can rule 
rule and reign with him when he sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives and sets up his kingdom. There's a prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, that fishers would be sent for the exiles of Israel. In Jeremiah chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, it is written, But the Lord lives that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he has driven them, and I will bring them again to their land that I gave to their fathers. And now it's going to tell how this is going to be. For I will send for many fishers, says the Lord, and they shall fish them. Well, when Yeshua called his disciples, he told them the following. In Mark chapter 1, verse 17, Yeshua said, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Well, the prophecy says that he's going to send for many fishers. Who do fishermen, and what do they catch? They catch fish. And Yeshua said to his disciples, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Well, we need to understand that in the blessing that is given to Ephraim and Manasseh by Jacob in Genesis chapter 48 verse 16, we find the following. The angel which redeemed me from all evil blessed the lads and let my name be named on them in the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And then it says in the King James, let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. The word grow here is the Strong's number 1711 in the Strong's Hebrew dictionary. And it's the Hebrew word daga, which means fish. So what this literally says in the Hebrew is let them increase as fish in the earth. But that doesn't make logical sense because fish do not increase in the earth. The fish increase in the sea. And so this was not translated literally, let them increase as fish increase in the earth because logically fish don't increase in the earth. Fish increase in the sea. So that's why the translators translated as let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. But in the, the blessing of multiplication given to Ephraim and Manasseh, they are regarded as fish who are multiplying in the earth. Now we can see that this Hebrew word daga means fish from Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 where it is written, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. This is the Strong's number 1710. It is the Hebrew word daga. Yeshua said, Follow after me, I will make you fishers of men. Now men in Hebrew is Adam and Adam is the word for all mankind. But Adam is also a term that refers to the nation of Israel. In the art scroll of Ezekiel on page 30, it explains that in Ezekiel in chapter 34 and verse 31 and Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 10, that the nation of Israel regarded as the sheep of Yahweh's pasture are called men or Adam. So when Yeshua said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, it has a dual meaning. I'm going to make you fishers of the exiles of Israel and in fishing for the exiles of Israel, I'm going to make you fishers of all mankind who will receive the redemption that I'm offering through the death of Yeshua on the tree. Paul taught the ingathering of the exiles. In Acts chapter 26, in verses 6 and 7, it is written, Paul testifies, this is before King Agrippa, and he says, And now I stand, am and judge, for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. What is this promise that he's referring to, that God made to the fathers? He goes on to say, Unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. So this is a promise that our twelve tribes hope to come, which means it hasn't happened yet. And what is this promise? The ending of the exile, the uniting of the twelve tribes. Messiah would gather the exiles of Israel. He would teach Torah to all nations, and he would rule and reign over the nations with Israel, who is gathered, reigning over 
over the nations with Yeshua. Now, Paul understood that Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6 was a prophecy about the 10 tribes. In Acts chapter 13, verses 44 and verses 46 and 47, it is written, In the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And then he's making a quote from Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6 in Acts chapter 13, verse 47, where it says, For so has God commanded us. I've set you to be a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. In the book of redemption by Moses Nachmanides or the Ramban on pages 25 and 26 in referring to Isaiah chapter 49 in verses 5 and 6, he explains that these verses speak about the northern kingdom and the ten tribes. In Isaiah chapter 49 verse 9, it is written that you may say to the prisoners, go forth to them there in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways and their pastures shall be in all high places. The prisoners are the exiles of Israel. Go forth and you are exiled. So after we have the, the commissioning in Isaiah chapter 49 verses 5 and 6 that the house of Jacob is going to be redeemed and that you may say to the Gentiles in Isaiah in uh, chapter 49 and then we're going to look at verse 6. It says it's a light thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give you for a light to the Gentiles that you be my salvation to the ends of the earth. That is the verse that Paul quoted in Acts chapter 13 and verse 47 as he saw as his commissioning to go out into the nations of the world. So if we look at several verses later, Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 9, the prisoners who are there are the exiles of Israel, that they would go forth, that is to end their exile. And in the book, A Matter of Return by Raphael Eisenberg on page 132, he explains from the Midrash Rabbah to Isaiah 49 verse 9 that the prisoners here are seen as being the ten tribes or Ephraim. Prophesying about the future return of the exiles to their land, Isaiah state that you may say to the prisoners, go forth to them there are darkness, show yourselves. The Midrash Rabbah explains that the prisoners denotes the tribes residing beyond the Sabbatian and this is a reference to the northern kingdom who it is taught that in their exile they went and sojourned beyond the river Sabatian. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 7, page 172, it will also explain that this verse is a reference to the ten tribes. Saying to the prisoners, go forth, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 9, this alludes to those who were exiled to this side of the river Sabatian. And in the commentary there, it says that means the ten tribes of Israel. So from this teaching, we have seen further examples how it's Yeshua's ministry to gather and to unite the 12 tribes of Israel. And so in this teaching, we looked at Yeshua healing the 10 lepers and we saw how the 10 lepers are a prophetic picture of the spiritual status of the exiles of Israel, particularly the Northern Kingdom or Ephraim. And when they said, Master, have mercy upon us, it is prophetically referring to the crying out to receive salvation from Yeshua. Then Yeshua said, go show yourself to the priest. And he's saying that once you believe that I'm the Messiah, follow the Torah. But of the 10 that he healed, only one turned back. Turned back is Shuv, which
which means to repent. When you repent, you repent of your sins. If you repent of your sins, then you follow the Torah. Only one in ten turned back and glorified Yeshua. And Yeshua is going to be glorified at his second coming when he gathers and unites the twelve tribes of Israel. So we looked at the ten lepers and see how that it teaches you about the role of the Messiah to gather and unite the twelve tribes of Israel. And then we looked at John chapter 4, the woman at the well, that she is also a picture of the northern kingdom because she was from Samaria. And even as the northern kingdom went after many gods, this woman had many husbands. And she realized that Yeshua was the Messiah. And Yeshua said to her, I am the living water, that if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. This is prophetic understanding that it would be those from the northern kingdom that who corporately would accept Yeshua as the Messiah in contrast to those of the southern kingdom as a part of Yeshua offering his salvation to the entire world. And then Yeshua said to the woman in John in chapter 8 who was caught in adultery, where are your accusers? And of course we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so as a result in being all sinners, we all have broken the covenant. We all are adulterous before the God of Israel. And so he says to the adulterous woman that you are to go and sin no more, which means your sins are forgiven, repent and follow me and follow my Torah. But those who did not want to receive Yeshua, Yeshua stooped and wrote on the ground. And he was making a reference back to Jeremiah chapter 17, that, that all who forsake him will be written in the earth because they forsaken the fountain of living waters. And then finally, we ended up teaching by seeing that Paul's ministry was also about going out to the nations and to proclaim Yeshua and the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel, as he himself testified in Acts chapter 26, verses 6 and 7. And Paul saw that his ministry to go into the nations was based upon the prophecy in Acts chapter 13, verse 47, which is a reference to Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6. And looking at the verses surrounding Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6, and Isaiah chapter 49, verse 9, the prisoners who were told to go forth and understood to be the northern kingdom or the exiles of Israel. That when Paul was referring to Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, and seeing his calling to go into the nations, he understood that his calling was to go out and to proclaim Yeshua to the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of Ephraim that was scattered in the nations of the world. And in doing so, he would reach all the whosoevers who lived in their midst. So hopefully from this, you can see how much Yeshua's ministry is related and associated to his role to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. This is a part of a discipleship program that Hebraic Heritage Ministries offers. It is a monthly study program wherein you can receive audio or DVD teachings to help you systematically study the Hebraic roots of Christianity on a variety of subjects. Now, remember these words always from 1 John in chapter 2 and verse 6. He who says he abides in him, he who says that he's a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah, I himself to walk, that means to live our lives even as he walked. And how did Yeshua walk or how did he live his life? He kept the Torah of his father. Even as he instructed those who believe on him in John chapter 14 verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keeping the commandments of Yeshua is following his Torah. He is the lawgiver. James in chapter 4 in verse 12. Well, that's going to conclude part 20 of the series.
series on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.